When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, it's a Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's Corner 3, presented by Mechdyne. Swish. We need I, a, I don't know why I just did that. that we was, need a swish on the, on the board here. You know, we can do that. We can do all that stuff and load this, but you're the technology chief. Oh, never, oh I had it turned down, you're so it didn't Cyclone work. Fun. You're the technology chief, so you're gonna. That's on you. I feel like I probably can load some. It's things not in hard. There. No, I can. I can definitely load some stuff in there. It's not hard. Uh, it's corner three. It's National Signing Day. I think I'm going to Mechdyne next week. By the way, I think Bloom and I are going to do a podcast from one of their socials. They have a company social where they all. Drink whiskey together. Do they drink whiskey and, and watch then, dirt racing? Then it's going to be me and Bloom in the corner. Bloom t- sent us a text message last night asking us for what bet means. How does it? How does it make you? And then you said it. You t- sent him the wrong thing. No, it means like what's up, yo. No, that's not what it is. Cool. Yeah, it's like okay. Oh, okay. Well, my guy uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Lee. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Teaching me that, but I well, clearly it didn't ha- it didn't work very well. It, it didn't hammer to home Isaiah for a few months. Uh, yeah, you guys are. I know you guys are at the the peak of hip. Uh, you said it. We got plenty of stuff to talk about here today. Like I said, it's National Signing Day. I don't know if there could have been any less excitement about National Signing Day for men's basketball than what there was today. Just weird because it's the best class in school history. Yeah, they had availability at nine o'clock this morning before. Uh, before anyone had sent in their national letters of intent or anything like that, which like is whatever. I know that's when they practice. So you kind of just got to deal, like take what you can get, but it's just weird. Two things. One that's got TJ written all over it. Just he's very much of like, what can you do to win today type? Mm -hmm. Like to, so to see them, they all practice in the mornings too. So I could see him being like, no, we're not going to practice in the afternoon to make these guys available for the media right. just because of that. But two, it feels a little different in the transfer portal era. Well, yeah, just how much does this matter? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, Well, I mean, even then, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen to Iowa State, but it's like just with how often kids will sign and then ask out of a letter or things like that. Like there's yeah. just so many moving pieces to all this stuff that it's like, does this, I mean, why do we even have this date anymore? I wrote you know? about this in my, that piece that I wrote after the opener and it, it was, you know, I, I think one of the things that's pretty smart about what they're doing right now, they bring these two guys from St. Bonaventure in and um, Shun was telling me on Saturday that they actually installed a lot of the same offense mm-hmm. from St. Bonaventure because he and Jaron are so comfortable with it. And it, it, it's one of those things where 
I think that there's probably going to be five to seven newcomers every spring. And as a fan, when Jake Sullivan signs, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch him for the next four years. Well, at Iowa State, you have a culture of transfers, a culture of sending guys to the NBA early. I think we're all just kind of accustomed to, oh, well, we'll enjoy him when we see him on the floor. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Right? And I think, I think too, I mean, so many of these guys have been committed for a long time. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean – like Milan and Omaha have been committed for three months. You know, like Jelani, it seems like committed six months ago. It's like, there's no celebration to it. It's just like in football, you know? Yeah. We'll get to football national signing day in whatever, three weeks, three weeks or a month. It's crazy. And, uh, you'll sit there and you'll be like, Iowa State hasn't had a new football commit in six months. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really good point. We're back in the day. It all was in February in that, Two week period leading up to signing day was the, the craziest of the entire year for us. Never forget when Paul Rhodes held up the letter. Iconic. Iconic. That's the last iconic national signing day moment that I think we'll ever have at Iowa that, State. That's a chapter in the book. Yeah. That's the Alan Lazard recruitment. The John's, uh, who was it? It was John Sears, John right? John Sears, because yeah. he did that spoof with Alan. Yeah. And where he asked and him like 15 times and Paul didn't understand the joke. Yeah. He didn't get the joke. Yeah. I think I this is past the statute of limitation. I think I can tell this story, but we had that might have been our last actual signing day party. We used to do the signing day parties for Cyclone Fanatic. Mm-hmm. Were you around for those at all? I mean, we had the recruiting parties, but they were, I don't really remember them ever being so, on National Signing Day. We used to do them on Signing Day, and then Iowa State stole that idea from us, yeah. which is fine. They're they're right to do it, <laughs> but we've been doing it for like. Almost 10 years. This would have been nice to get a little credit. (laughs) We started doing that back when I was at Scout and like back in the McCarney era. Cause I mean, one year we had Chris Ash, Tony Alford, like a who's who, like head coaches and stuff now. Mm -hmm. And like they'd come down and we would do this. And there was, I mean, hell, we only had like 20 people would show up of our subscribers, but it was just a really cool concept. So, anyways. One year, we were doing this with Rhodes where we would do it like two weeks later, and Paul told us, hey, if you do it on signing day, we'll I'll bring the whole staff down as opposed to just me. And I'm like, okay, this is phenomenal. Let's do this. This would be really, really, really awesome. And those old keg stand signing day events were the most bad because Rhodes staff liked to drink. Yeah. They didn't sip. They would be chugging Jack Daniels the entire way down on this bus. And it was after that date, and Rhodes is, you know, he's living it up pretty good right. after just signing Lazard. And him in that bus, and I asked him about it, about him holding up the letter and stuff, and he was truly convinced that everybody in that room wanted Allen to go to Notre Dame. <laughs> like, it, this was like a, it was not an act. Yeah. He absolutely believed that, and he was pissed off about it, and I don't know, that's what made Rhodes so beloved, though, because, like, there really wasn't a fake side of that guy at the time. Like, I just remember... very st- set in his ways. I, that was my first signing day at Iowa State, and I just remember sitting there, and I was like... Is this real? <laughs> yeah, I was like, so this is how this goes? And I, at the same time, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, this Alan Lazard guy must be the... 
like the real deal, <laughs> you know, like this guy's going to save the whole program. Like this is the, this is the one that takes him to the next level, you know? And then he came in and he didn't even start the first game. Quentin Bundridge got hurt on the first play of the game. And then all of a sudden Allen had to start every game. Quentin Bundridge icon, man. He would have been so good if he would have had some decent quarterback play and not gotten hurt. If he'd had other good teammates and he'd had uh, basically not the worst luck. Yeah, I'd love to see Quentin Bundridge play in this era. Does he still, he still has one of the best single season receiving touchdowns for, I think he had seven that one year before his junior year. He was legit. I I think in a different era, he would have been a pro. He did play in the pros for a while. Yeah, he did have a couple. I think he was on the practice squad for the Texans for a while. Yeah, he was a really good player. Well, welcome to the basketball podcast. Yeah, there you go. This is probably uh, happening a lot this year. Uh, let's talk about this recruiting class a little bit. We've, okay. Obviously, we've talked about them a lot over the, the last several months. But, I mean, I think now that Omaha is signed, sealed, and delivered, in your time covering Iowa State, where does his recruitment, where, the impactfulness, you think, mm. where does this rank for Iowa State basketball? <sighs> I mean, it's up there because of the NIL thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I guess this one seemed really far-fetched when it started. I think Omaha's injury probably helped Iowa State get some, you know, get back in this game. Don't you think? I mean, you know the basketball side of it. Big picture-wise, it just, to me, it signaled, like, we're here to play ball. What but injury are you talking about? Didn't he blow out a knee? No, that was Taman. Okay, I'm thinking of Taman. Yeah, you're right. Because Taman t- missed his entire sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. And then or his, his junior year. What is his, his deal? Really, yeah, really fell back at yeah, that point. Yeah. So Omaha, I'm I'm sorry, had the not so great season. Yeah, he left. Yeah, he, he after Waukee yeah. split, it, he and that's what it was. School. And it felt like almost on the Omaha side, they they were humbled just a little bit, where it wasn't like, oh, you're going to go straight and be a lottery pick. Like you need a little bit of work, whatever. Mm-hmm. Otzelberger gets hired, comes back in, and then this whole NIL mania happens. And it seems like probably not going to get a guy of that caliber. Like To me, this was Iowa State staking the claim that we can recruit anybody at any time because of our culture, because of who we are, because of our relationships. So I think it really makes a huge impact. You know, one of them for me, and it didn't turn out to be, was Craig Brackens when he committed mm-hmm. way back in the day. That one really, 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 really moved the needle because it was McDermott. Now, clearly, again, they didn't ever go to an NCAA tournament, but he was a lottery pick. Yeah. It kind of put them on the map. Uh, there's some listeners who probably remember the Collison Heinrich era, you know, back when those guys are committed to Iowa State and then, yeah. then Eustachie happens. But as far as this one on the court, uh, Niang stands out to me because I remember TJ and Fred telling me how good they thought he would be. So it was, it was kind of a secret to a lot of the people who were covering, re- watching recruiting. But mm-hmm. the people at I, I, TJ told me that this guy will lead Iowa State. He'll, he'll be the leading scorer at Iowa State when he's done. That's how highly they thought of Niang. I think that the thought on Omaha is that he's probably a one-and-done, two-and-done max type of guy. So what happens on the court? I don't know. We'll see what happens around him. But I think from a macro view, when you're looking down at this, in this era, in theory, Iowa State shouldn't be able to commit, shouldn't be able to get a guy of that caliber. And they did. So it's a huge, huge impact. I think that you have to give some credit to Omaha and you have to give some credit to the people around him because I think ultimately – 
they made no they made the decision that was going to be best i i believe long term for the kind of player that omaha is for the kind of player that omaha is going to need to be if he's going to be a long-term pro he needed to go to a place like iowa state where they were going to really hone in on the defensive things mm-hmm. and really be able to amplify his tools that's where his tools are you know Elite can he, defender. Can he be a good offensive player? Certainly. Can he be a guy who can make some things happen for you on the on that end of the floor? Absolutely. I mean, he's going to be at Waukee High this year and probably average 25 points a game. Like, mm-hmm. And that's just purely on the fact that he is a freak compared to everyone else at, from an athletic perspective. But when you go and you watch him play defensively and you watch the way that he leads his team, the way that he's able to call things out as, a, as an anchor of a defense – that's what he is, you know, and now I think you look at what Iowa State's going to have here over these next several years where you've got some foundational pieces for what Iowa State's identity is becoming defensively, where you're going to have a guy like Taman who can be your tip of the spear, you know, and be your point guard that's going to get after people, that's going to pressure the ball. He's not really going to make a lot of things happen on his own as far as scoring the basketball, but he's going to get people open, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to find people when they're open. And he's going to get them in, in positions to be able to go and score the ball, and he's not going to turn it over. And then you have a guy like Omaha who can be a, a, a really high-level player that can guard everywhere from one to five, you know, and can uh, really protect the rim, can really rebound. He can really get after it on the offensive glass as well. I mean, I think that he is going to be – a star. A, he's going to be a star at Iowa State. It's a perfect fit. He he is the guy that when when Fran Fraschilla and all those people are watching him as a freshman, they're like, yeah, this guy could not have gone to a better place for it's him. A, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, you're right. And good job by the Omaha camp mm-hmm. to identify that and go to a place where you're not making the most amount of money, but you're thinking long term. It's easy and and he'll be able to showcase his offensive skills that he does yeah. have at Iowa State more than he would at say Kansas. It's easy to when you're in that position to just take the easy road and go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, or go to Oregon or go wherever where it's just like, well, I'm going to make a bunch of money here, so if nothing else, like, you know, it is what it is. I think that they will develop him at Iowa State and he will get a lot better and he'll understand like defensive basketball even better than what he already did I mean I don't know what he's going to be as far as being picked in the NBA draft or like any of those things but he is a guy that I strongly believe could be a big 12 defensive player of the year as a freshman I don't know about as a freshman okay. that's that's obviously hard hard yeah. bar to clear but and I mean in, in, I, in today's basketball who knows who all will be in the big 12 in next season but it, as a if he stays and has a second season in Iowa State absolutely he could be a preseason big 12 defensive player of the year. if you would if you had to put Vegas odds on it what are the chances he's there for two years like it, odds are one and done or odds or is it 50 50 what do you think I mean I think in my mind if I had to guess right now today i would probably say it'd be more likely that it's one year but i mean i, I guess yeah. we don't know you know I did, i'm just going I, on what i've heard on the aau trail yeah is well, that he was off the charts good defensively this year and that's what i'm saying like he has this to go and play in the nba we've talked about i don't know how many times we've talked about this you have to have that one thing like especially if you're going to be drafted really high you have to have that one thing that other people look at and they're like we cannot find another human being who can do that, mm-hmm. you know, or if we can, there's only like 10 of them, mm-hmm. you know, in the entire world. And I think that he's got that, you, that innate ability to just be a defender. And when you watch him rebound the basketball, like you go and you can just see that this is a person who their brain operates in a way 
that this is what they were born to do. Yeah, and I you think, know, I think too the 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 motor aspect of him is probably for the casual fan who's listening to this highly underrated. This yeah. isn't a guy that's all just pure talent out there to play. I mean, I, this is my probably my favorite player of all time is Rodman. Like to play at that level, like you have to be kind of nuts. Yeah, and from what I understand, during these AAU tournaments, Omaha is playing at you know, 100 miles per hour on the defensive end where you just don't see that in AAU tournaments. Well, and and that's I, just his mentality. I think anybody, if you want to understand the caliber of athlete that he is, especially compared to just like the average high school kid, turn on the video. You can go and find it on YouTube. The video from the open gym that he did at Waukee High School. Like... I mean, mm-hmm. no offense to all the other guys out there at Waukee. I'm sure there's some great kids out there, some guys that are probably some pretty good ballers, some guys that are going to go play college ball. That's a guy that looks like a man amongst boys, and he's 17 or 18 years old. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, it, it's just crazy. And uh, people who are going to be NBA basketball players, when they're 17 or 18 years old, they've got that ability where you look at it, and it's like, that guy is playing a completely different game than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Omaha plays a completely different game than yeah. everybody else. You know, I don't know how good their team is going to be, but I strongly suggest that Iowa State fans go and watch him because I, I think that he is the guy that you have to go and see him play live to get a really good appreciation of the kind of player that he is. You mm-hmm. know, and I think, you know, I think Xavier Foster is really the last big, besides Taman, the last big guy from Iowa that, you know, and I think he really got nitpicked and probably for good reason like he was that was one of the I think the few scenarios where we sat here and we really nitpicked somebody's game and you then you see them play at college and you're like yeah okay we were probably probably right to ask some questions there you know but kind of the opposite I was gonna say he's the exact opposite yeah it was all like he had this tantalizing skill but it's like he didn't have that motor he didn't have that you that innate desire to defend and to protect the rim and to do all of those things that's what Omaha does. The offensive stuff, man, we'll figure that out later. Mm-hmm. This guy's a freak. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure it out. You know, well, it De- it's, it's like Demarion Watson. Imagine Omaha playing the four, playing the five, and then you've got Demarion Watson, who's six foot six, six foot seven, that can play the wing for you and knock down a shot in the corner. And like the roster or the lineups that Iowa State will be able to utilize with versatility and length, you know who they're going to look like? The old like the Scott Drew teams. They're gonna look like Texas Tech. Yeah, well, that too. I mean, the, they remind me a little bit of Baylor. Mm-hmm. You know, the, but then you, you're talking about Omaha. Thing I like about this class is so Caden Fish is his AAU teammate. Backstory on that: now that he's they fell in love with Caden watching Omaha, right? And um, the, the, not skill wise, personality. Reminds me a little bit about when Nazmi Trulong mm-hmm. commits to Iowa State, where you're thinking, okay, this is a phenomenal culture piece for us that can be here for three to four years and be a really good fit for the people. Caden Fish is just being there is going to make Omaha's life considerably better on and off the court. Could you think of a better guy to pair with Omaha than Momchilovich? No. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they because they both bring, they're both long, and they both can do different things. Correct, you know, and it's and they they accentuate each other's um, 
weaknesses. Like, but I don't, I don't know if weakness is the right way to put it, you know, but it's like where, how good he is offensively and how good he is shooting the basketball and putting the ball on the floor and being able to make plays for other people. Like, that's not what I think you want Omaha to be at the college no. level. If, if he's going to be the best kind of best version of himself, that's probably not what it ends up being, you know, but I think too, and, and you can correct, I mean, you would probably know better than me, but I think that the strategy for them is it's becoming pretty clear. You know, you might hit a home run every once in a while, you know, from the high school ranks. Omaha is a home run. Mm-hmm. Milan mm-hmm. is a home run. Those guys are home runs. You yeah, know? you got a couple of them in this class. Yeah, and like there's a couple in this next class or even the class after that, JT Rock, like uh, Nick Janowski up at, at, yeah. at, at Milan School. Like those are guys that would be home run players. But you got to get the guys like Caden Fish. You got to get a guy like Taman Lipsy or a guy like Eli King. And Jelani Hamilton. Jelani Hamilton. People that you feel pretty confident are probably going to play four years unless something really terrible happens. And they have some sort of a reason to be like Jelani's parents. Yeah. There's, you have that connection. And the Jaden Fish deal, I mean, from what I understand, he, he was like off the radar to boom, had a really good Peach Jam. Mm-hmm. I think it was Peach Jam. Yeah, it was. And... By that point, Iowa State had already been sniffing around for a couple of weeks because, again, they had been so yeah. recruiting Omaha hard. Well, Jaden has this big peach jam. Caden, yeah. Caden, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've called him Jaden the whole podcast. No, yeah, this is oh, the, first, okay. the first Caden, two times Caden has this big, big tournament everybody else is calling. And, well, no, I'm loyal to Otzelberger mm-hmm. and Blount and Green and Schmidt because they've been on me before any of you guys. So it's like this really, and it, one of his best friends happens to be Omaha. So it's right. like, you're, you're trying to, it, that's a good analogy, Jared, like as fans, I think everybody wants home runs. Yeah. Well, you're now at Iowa state. You're just not going to hit four home runs. There's like three schools in the country that do you need to hit Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. Every, every year. I think the goal needs to be, be we're going to hit one home run. And if we can hit two, you feel really good about that. Couple doubles and a yeah, single. But otherwise it's like, let's get a couple doubles and a single and let's get some and, guys and because, transfers. Because you also need people realistically in this world with the transfers. How often are you going to get transfers at Iowa State that are going to have multiple years of eligibility? Guys like Gabe Kalsher and Jazz and uh, even a Robert Jones, you know, guys that are going to stay and Caleb Grill, guys that are going to stay, come in. And then stay for the next year to be the ones that are going to bridge the culture. You know, that that's what is so important. I think about Gabe and jazz and all those guys, like they're the ones that stay there and set the tone for the next group that comes in, you know, now in the future, when you have a team and Lipsy who can stay and be a sophomore, a junior, a senior, when you have an Eli King who can be a sophomore, junior, senior, and you bring in five, six, seven transfers, you know, more often than not, you're going to bring in transfers that are going to come in and they're going to see these guys who have been here for two, three years that have respect that have earned that respect from doing, doing it and having success within the program. And you sit there and you say, man, I would be a really idiot or a real idiot to come in here and mess with that. You know, that's at the end of the prom era. That's what they, that's what started to fall apart. They just didn't have anyone who could bridge that gap. They didn't have a leader, you know, they They, didn't. And it became very, very obvious the last two years. Yeah. And I think even, I mean, I think even in the Fred years, like think how destructive bringing in Bryce DeJohn Jones was. Mm-hmm. And they, but they were just so good. Yeah. They were so good. Were it didn't matter. Yeah, And it. he was so good that it really didn't matter when he, yeah. when he wasn't being crazy, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's like when you would bring in those people that you, that they didn't buy into the fact that it's like, okay, these guys are the ones that are the OGs. 
and we got to respect the OGs, you know? And I don't know that, that to me, just like, that's what it signals is it's, it's about, yeah, we need to get really good players and you need really good players, but you need a foundation because of the reality that you're going to turn over a significant portion of your roster every year. You need these guys that are going to be your core that every year we know we've got these guys to fall back on. And now it's up to bloom to be able to get enough money to pay them, to keep them to stay. Yes, exactly. It's all on Brent Bloom at this point. It's all on Brent Bloom. Can I really, really quick, this is, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. We promised we're going to make these short. Yeah. Cy in the North, have you seen this thread? No. On the forums? So he has compiled a list of former Cyclones who are now playing elsewhere. Uh-huh. For Bloom to contact? No, he listed out, I think this is going to be an th- ongoing thread oh, throughout okay. the year. So this is actually really cool for uh-huh. guys like us. Um, this is what they all did on night one. They actually had a really good really? opening night. Okay. Trey, Trey Jackson uh, is now at Western Carolina. Yeah, he had seventeen points, six assists, five threes, and a oh, loss. Hell to, yeah, and a loss to Georgia. So good for Trey. Tyrese Hunter, he had eighteen, five and one in a win over UTEP for Texas. Tristan and Aruna is with D. Rob at Cleveland State. Now they lost to Notre Dame College, which is one of the Worst losses you'll see all year in college basketball. Yeah, not Notre Dame, not the University of Notre Dame. But Inaruna had 20 and 11. Oh, there we go. In in that game. Uh, D Stone, our guy. Oh, geez. Hofstra, right? Yeah, Hofstra. He had a double-double and a win over Princeton, 11 and 12. Tyler Harris is at his 15th school. <laughs> um, South Florida, nine points, three rebounds, two steals, and a loss to SEMO. I was thinking he should have hooked up with Steve Prohm back at, at Murray State. He would have been a good fit there. Blake Hinson. Oh, geez. The cyclone that never was. Yeah. Is at Pittsburgh now. Okay. He had 27 and 13 in a win over Tennessee Martin. Oh, okay. Uh, it's his first, me of, that's got to be his first college I, basketball game in like two years. Why am I blanking on this? And by the way, a really good drinking game to play is you can go with former Cyclones and transfers and stuff. Yeah. Bloom and I have done this before. I, I know the name. You're going to have to... Javon Johnson? Javon Johnson? Yeah, Javon Johnson. What uh, was he, his deal? I, he was on... Uh, he transferred from Troy to play for, Steve, yes. for Steve's... And then he never played and they let him No, go. he did play. He did play. He played... Uh, what would that have been? He played on... It must have been a very forgettable... It, it was either the last year or the second to last year. I don't remember for certain. It was the last year. It was the Owen 19 team. Yeah. But I remember he transferred from Troy. He and actually, then maybe he sat out or something. Yeah. I remember thinking at one point he showed some flashes. And we're like, this guy's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember him. Thank you. That I, was when I they tried would, to forget that year. Every single game they would hang with the team for like the yeah. first 30 minutes and then get destroyed in the last 10. Remember when they were beating Baylor by 17 in the first half? Yes. And then they were and, down 17 and, by the 10 minute mark of the second half. Javon Johnson had uh, Where's he at? DePaul. Okay. 24 and 10. They uh, beat Loyola, Maryland. Uh, Raz Bolton, of course, is at Gonzaga. God, how old is he? Ra, yeah, Ra. He's got to be like 25. I mean, 24. yeah, cl- close to it. This is probably his sixth or seventh year. 11 points, three assists for Gonzaga. <sighs> Nate Jenkins? That would have been a walk-on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had five points and two rebounds for Green Bay. Okay. T. Lewis. Yeah. He's, he's still, still playing? He's still playing. He's for Grambling. Okay, here, let me hear it. Let's hear it. 
I've still got my T. Lou stock. Let's go. The, we got a. Hand, are we on the rise? Handful of these guys are like iconic fans. Put them in the game, you idiot. I always remember that Terrence Lewis would come in and he'd make one great cut, and you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's got potential out the out the ceiling." It was Terrence Lewis, and last year the Tristan and Aruna love. Yes, just was nausea. And then you put him in and he'd give up like four baskets in a row. Right. But he'd get that one basket and everybody would feel really good about it. Yeah, but for a team where you know you're going to score in the 40s and 50s, like four really easy layups is kind of a difficult thing to come back from. See, that's the thing I don't think people realize enough is like, if these guys... The coaches are not idiots. They want to win. They would like to win. If they feel confident that one of those guys is going to help them win and is going to make up for what whatever their deficiencies are, then they will they will put them on the floor. Terrence Lewis is just not really ever caught on that. Grambling, he had 13 points. They beat North Texas. Two two of six from three. All right. Well, my stock's up from one one cent to. We're still going. Uh, Zion Griffin. Yeah. UIC. Uh, He's at Tennessee State now. He transferred. Okay. Uh, he had three points and seven rebounds and a win over Fisk. You remember who the highest rated recruit in that class was? THT? Well, okay, yeah, I guess it did end up being THT. There was a time when Zion Griffin was the highest rated recruit in that yeah, class. Yeah, because Bill Self was yeah, sniffing around. Bill, yeah, Bill Self, Illinois, they all offered him. Um, Jaden Walker is now at East Carolina. Oh, East Carolina versus West Carolina. Apparently they played last night. There's no stat here. And then Xavier Foster did not. He played zero minutes in SMU's season opener. I'm not one to sit here and root against anybody, but man, I'm, that that one is that that's one I just don't see a, a very solid path to Division One stardom. I I thought he no, should have gone to a junior college. Yeah, you're probably right. Just develop for a while. Yeah, he should have gone to Indian Hills or something. And then it's a you know pretty bad way to leave yeah under those circumstances yeah so. anyways they must be down bad at SMU. that's a good thread uh good job props to cycle and fanatic premium member Cy in the north i'm trying to think is that really it seems like i mean that seems like a lot but I, like you could also probably list off 10 more names and i'd believe that they're all still playing you know I mean, it is kind of crazy how they go away and you just like completely forget that we're, they we watch exist. the laundry. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it is just a real like Javon Johnson, Javon Johnson. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like he may have been their best player for half of that year. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Say whatever. <laughs> but like, I, I forgot who he was. <laughs> you forgot was that he played years, for him. I mean, I knew the name, but I, I, I do this for I forgot him. Yeah. Jeez. You said names there that I'm like, well, t- Terrence Lewis, Linda Wigginton's been playing professional basketball for almost five years, and Terrence Lewis is still playing. His classmate is still playing college basketball. I'll never forget the time that um, I think Bloom was calling a game or something, and this was in the height of the play Terrence Lewis craze. Yeah, on Twitter, and Bloom Bloom was again. He's riding with the team, and he texts me. He's like, "This is not good, uh, Terrence." Terrence forgot his wallet and like it, they had to like hold the whole plane so he could drive back. <laughs> and it's just like, 
you know, and then everybody's he like, couldn't get up. Yeah, I remember it was like he couldn't Play get on the plane. Him. He didn't have his ID or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a bad uh, deal. And he felt bad for him, but it's just like, there's probably a reason these guys aren't playing. All right, really quick, let's talk about Monday night. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of there? We can't take anything away from that, that performance. No, that I, team sucked. But if anybody's listening to this Wednesday afternoon uh, before tonight's big game at the Nap Center, Drake minus 25 and a half is easy money. That's what I'm going to tell okay. you right now. <laughs> Who are they playing? Who do you think? IUPUI. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, this was my takeaway, and I actually watched the game again. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm not reading into anything about the rest of the year. They seemed like a better team on night one than they did last year. I think they were more cohesive. They got better looks, especially offensively. And they, they just they looked deeper. Didn't make very many. You know, they just now I don't know if they have their high. I I don't think that they have a Brockington. No. I I, I just I don't, and I know that. Holmes showed flashes, but I just I don't think he's going to be go out and score thirty against whoever. Yeah, I was say I don't think twenty three a night is sustainable. Like, and and I he took sixteen shots. I didn't feel like it was sixteen great shots. You well, know? he really struggled the first ten minutes. Yeah, like he was yeah ball handling, but then he got. See, he got, he very got in a comfortable. Groove. Yeah, he got in a groove, and I I think that he's going to have some nights like where he's probably going to score. 16, 20 points, you know, but Absolutely. I, I, I don't think you I think can he'll lead them in scoring. That. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if their leading score averaged like 12 or 13 points a game. I think that, you know, him, Shun, and Kalsher yeah. all could be right in that range. I think you saw Shun really settle into the game. He didn't, I thought that he didn't look like he was really, really in the mix early in the flow, I think would be a good way to put it, where especially offensively, he seemed like he was kind of just not really where he wanted to be, especially finishing around the rim. But one, one thing that I kind of took away when I was sitting on the floor, you could just see things a little different. I thought Caleb and Gabe both just commanded yeah. when they were out there. Now, Caleb was like three of 10. Like We know what Caleb is. Mm-hmm. He's not going to all of a sudden turn into this all big 12 guy. But, you, you know, you talked about your, you can't have all home runs. Like, I think that he gives the defensive effort and – you know, enough leadership with the shooting threat where he he seemed more comfortable for the first time in my time watching Caleb, it looked like he was going with the flow of the game and not trying to play faster than he should be. See, and that's where I just, I don't know. I don't know how long to bring in Gabe off the bench and staggering him and Jaron is going to last because I just, I don't think that playing Caleb for 30 minutes and giving him 11 shots is a sustainable way to no, play offense. I don't and either. that's nothing against Caleb. I just think that the more shots he takes, the more likely it is that he's going to appear inefficient, you know, mm-hmm. and like is going to be inefficient because I just don't think that he's a volume scorer. Completely agree. You need to get him six really good looks in a game. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I think some of that too, from what I've gathered, that they're, Taman's kind of on a pitch count right yeah. now where for those who don't know, he's we referenced it earlier. He had the bad knee injury and it's just Jared. It's hard to go from a high school season to a mm-hmm. college one. Yeah. It's just a massive difference. And I think that they really know Taman's value is because they don't really have another point guard and they need him in January and mm-hmm. February. So I, I would guess you're going to see him play low twenties, yeah. upper teens in a lot of these games early on. And, you know, I, I would have to go back. 
I guess I wasn't paying a ton of attention to who was running the point when he wasn't in there, but I know Holmes had the ball in his hands quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I think Caleb Holmes and Gabe can all kind of be that secondary guy at, at points when they need to be. Now you're not really comfortable with any of them right. in the big 12, but that's my point. Um, how many assists is Taman going to get before he scores his first point, man? He didn't even he didn't even try and score. The no. one time that he took a shot, it was because he got a rebound. Yeah. And he just was he's like, gonna, I have to go he's back. He's gonna up. fluke into something like that. He's he's JC Holloway. Or he'll make he, a free throw. He, That'll be his first bucket. He is this generation's JC Holloway. You're, you're too young to He'll be a better scorer by the end of his career, but he's gonna be the guy that like averages like five points and seven assists as a freshman. I heard that he didn't have a turnover in the yeah, scrimmage against Northwestern, and he what five and zero. Mm-hmm. So he's got two games under his belt right now Uh-oh, without be- a turnover. Better watch out, Monte. That's <laughs> an in, that's an infinite turnover to assist ratio right there. There you go, or assist to turnover ratio. No, I just like listen. I can't wait to evaluate him again on Sunday. Um, I think that these games you you approach these games early as like you're watching open practices. And watch the coaches move these guys around in rotations and see who plays well together and all that stuff. That's what this feels like to me. Because I, especially with the Kalsher coming off the bench thing, it's kind of like to me, whatever, he still played right. more minutes. 30 than minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel confident saying that Iowa State feels a lot better coming out of their game on Monday than some of the other schools in the Big 12 do. No doubt. I mean, if you, and again, let's not go crazy, but if you had yeah. to power rate the Big 12 right now, I mean, Oklahoma lost to Sam Houston State. Yeah. And they, they looked bad, too. I wouldn't do anything with the TCU thing, whatever. We know they're going to be good. Yeah. But, like, if Oklahoma's going to suck. Did you did you look at the stats from that game? It was horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was, they had uh, the Groves brothers and then Grant Sherfield, the transfer from Nevada, all three scored in double figures. They played, like, ten guys. The other seven guys combined to go, like, four of 25 from But the that's field. what I, I – they need some bad teams in this league. Yeah. And if West Virginia and Oklahoma could be worse than we thought they were going to be mm-hmm. – and, you know, Kansas State's kind of a wild card with yeah. some of their guys. You just don't really know what you're going to get on And they a, played a nobody. Yeah, like, but, like, if you could find a way to just be the seventh best team, you're going to the tournament. Right. Well, I'd, I had completely forgotten until I was watching Kansas State the other day that they brought in that Keontae Johnson yeah, from yeah. Florida. They've that, got all these these wild card type yeah. guys. Where it's, I don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, they'll peak on some nights. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. That he, TCU one was baffling to me, though. With as veteran as that team is, that made, that no, made sense. no sense whatsoever, which is kind of concerning. You know, that's one of those ones that's like, it feels like, uh, it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to put a ton of weight on this, but it's a red flag that this happened. That's like if the prom year, the first prom year, yeah. if that team comes out and almost loses its opener. Right. I mean, for them, that's that kind of a team. Preseason, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, expectation. Now, granted, not a new coach. No, but you've got a veteran team. Yeah. Like a... And they didn't bring in anyone new, hardly. Dude, Eddie Lampkin was awful in that game. Yeah. What the hell happened? I didn't watch it. I just looked at the box score. Like, he wasn't even like involved. There's no such thing as the corner three bump, apparently. <laughs> Jeez. I was pissed. Like, he's like, a, you know, I mean, that was well, Scotty's like, thing, but I'm a big fan of him for coming on our podcast. It took some guy, like, until the fourth quarter, he scored nine points in a row before they even were, like, within 10 points in the game. 
you know, like Man, it's just what? a weird deal. It's like, what is happening here? And then you hear them talk and they're like, we just have to be better. And it's like, well, yeah, clearly. Can you give me just real quick? We'll wrap it up. Anything on Oklahoma state. What do we know about them? Like what's the dark horse to win it? I don't know about, I love, I don't know about I love Boynton. I think he's a phenomenal contend. Team. Okay. You okay. know, I don't know if they're going to win. Cause I, just, t- I don't know if they've got the, I'm just depth, looking for teams. Who could Iowa state steal one from, you know, who are <laughs> Oklahoma. Well, uh, I, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas State, you have all of those circled as games that you're going to try and sweep those. Yeah. Now, you may not, but you're going to try. Like, who's another one you could steal one from? And Oklahoma State would be, I guess, on that list. It's I not mean, a, yeah. I, I think the thing that's, that's going to make Oklahoma – I was going to say Tech might yeah, be – and especially it depends on when you when Iowa State plays Tech because they've yeah. got that big guy that they brought in from the Utah Valley guy, that yeah. leading the rebounder in college basketball last year. He isn't going to be back until right before Big 12 play. So if you could catch them early hey, – For for what it's worth, too. Fardaz is his name. I was doing – I'm already prepping for uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. And Villanova is one that – you could potentially steal a game from. Oh, 100%. Do that's, they have, do they have, uh, what's his name? Justin Moorback? No. No. Yeah. And that's going to be a toss up if he's ready by then. And they have another guy who's not going to be ready for Well, them. I could tell you right now, I'm so, out. I'm out on Villanova. New they, coach, two of your top four guys may not play in that tournament. That is a game where, remember the Xavier game last year, you steal it. They, they've got some guys out, yeah. but it, RPI wise, it doesn't matter. In March. Well, yeah, that's something actually Jordan Mohan and I talked about on our pod last night. There's no such thing as a bad win. You know, a win is a win, man. Yeah. You know, and it's like for TCU, if TCU goes and has a season, we kind of expect them to, and they beat a Kansas at home or in, yeah. in Fort Worth, you know, you beat a Texas, you beat a Texas Tech, like you get some good quad one wins. No one's going to look at TCU's resume no. at the end of the season and be like, yeah, but they only beat Arkansas Pine Bluff by one on open night. You know, like that's just not going to happen. And uh, I'm I'm out on Villanova, though. I don't think they're a good team. They didn't cover against LaSalle the other night. <laughs> oh, you get burned. Yeah. I, I was saying, like, I was looking at that, and I'm like, there's no reason Iowa State can't compete with that team. No. the in, uh, in Portland. Uh, night number two. No, that would be with a, a win. Bath. I was saying with, a, with a, a win, night number two might be a might be an uphill battle. I, I want no piece of Mr. Baycott in North oh, Carolina. Goodness. Did I ever tell you about um, flying back from my cousin's wedding? Did you We're, see Armando Baycott? Bumped into him at the Raleigh Airport. Massive human. Um, he's wearing like a Team USA deal. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's that's Baycott. I didn't say anything to him because I'm not that guy. I literally bumped into the guy. Like, he really nice guy. That guy is a freak he is a monster yeah like he he's a fascinating he's one of the first guys and there will be many to come that would have gone pro at any other era of college basketball but he makes more coming back to college than he would have in the g league or something like that he's gonna make way more playing college basketball yeah and he'll probably average a double double and just be a freak you know like you know who would have made a ton of money in in il back in that caleb swanigan that guy would have been hey would have made huge money at yeah. Purdue. Yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. RP. All right. Uh, so we've we got a North Carolina A&T on Sunday. Yeah. Shout out to J.R. Smith. It's his, uh, oh, it's his yeah. school. Yeah. That, I, do you know anything? No. no nothing about it. I'm assuming they're pretty bad, but I. Yeah. I would, I would imagine so. Probably not as bad as IUPUI, who's the literally the worst team in the nation. 
Well, uh, remember, we're just it's it's a soap opera. All these games are different episodes. You get to go watch these open practices. I, I love it. I'm I'm a total geek towards this time of year. All right, we'll I talk to you. Love it. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Here, peace.